Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 12, these are God's words. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of Yahweh, or has his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel, and who instructed him? And who taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket, and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing, and worthless. To him then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image. The goldsmith overspreads it with gold. The silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth. When he will also blow on them, and they will wither. And the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their hosts by number. He calls them all by name by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from Yahweh and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, Yahweh, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall be faint and weary, the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on Yahweh shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So far the reading of God's inspired and an errant word. The Lord asks at the end of, or towards the end of, Verses 10 through 20. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? And then in the section marked off at its beginning with the first, Have you not known? Have you not heard? He asks in verse 25 again, To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? And then the last section is marked off again by the beginning of verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? So we have three sections here and the same point is in all three sections. To whom will you liken God? To whom will you liken God for worship? Verses 12 through 20. To whom will you liken God for help? Verses 21 through 27. And to whom will you liken God for strength? Verses 28 through 31. First then, to whom will you liken God for worship? There are no other gods. Uh, there is uh, nothing that a man can conceive or come up with that can be anything like the living God. The whole creation is dwarfed by him. You know, all the oceans and the tiny little dimple that is in the middle of your hand. It's hard to carry even a small amount of water with your hand, isn't it? 
uh, unless it's you know less than a teaspoon right there in that little dimple. But all of the oceans of the world are smaller to God than that small amount of water that you could reasonably carry in your hand. He measures out the heavens. We don't even know how big the heavens are. We keep guessing by aiming telescopes, but the light can't travel uh, far enough, fast enough to tell us. Uh, and he measures them by the span, by the, the length between the, his elbow and uh, his wrist, uh, as it were. Uh, and of course, that's just an anthropomorphism. If God had elbows or wrists, uh, they would be bigger even uh, than that. Uh, he weighs uh, the dust of the earth in a measure and the mountains and the scales. Uh, in fact, all of the nations taken together, verse 15, aren't actually weighed in the scales. They are like that little tiny dust that when they're doing a business transaction, they don't even bother to clean off. You know, they tried to, they wiped off the scale, they polished it, and oh, they noticed a fleck of dust on there, but it doesn't matter. It weighs nothing and less than nothing. It doesn't affect the transaction at all. And so the supposed greatness of man, and not just a man, but all men put together, their supposed greatness is as less than nothing. It doesn't figure into the transaction at all. But these things are uh, are, are even nothing by comparison to verse 13. Who has directed the spirit of Yahweh or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel? Who instructed him? To be in the position in verse 13 or verse 14, the Lord's counselor or the Lord's instructor, you would have to be infinitely greater even because now we're not talking about the creation anymore. We're talking about the creator. And you would have to be greater, infinitely greater even than the picture that is given in verse 12 and verse 15. Uh, and so there's no worship that we can come up with, even if we had all of creation at our disposal, and if we imitated God's own prescription. This is what verse 16 is describing. Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering. So the place on earth with the most wood and the best wood and the most creatures of the forest, if you took all of the wood and somehow had an altar big enough for it, and you took all of the creatures and somehow put them all on top of it, it would not do for one ascension offering unto the Lord. What man can invent for worship, even if he had all the creation at his disposal, is less than nothing. So there are no other gods. There is no other way to worship. There is only what God has given him uh, himself. He has given, he himself has given himself. And what man actually offers when he comes up with it, what is it? Gold and silver? Oh yeah, the rich ones. The poor ones, they approximate it with wood. But the gold and silver is infinitely closer to the wood than it is to the actual offering by which we come near to God, that which participates in his own son. And of course it is infinitesimally small by comparison to this theoretical ascension offering in verse 16. And so to whom will you liken God for worship? Whom else would you worship and how else would you worship? It is a vanity, it is an insanity, and therefore we are all the more able to see that it is a blasphemy. Worship only the living and true God and worship him only in the way that he has given. Because the way that he has given trusts in Christ, comes through Christ, with Christ as the priest 
Christ is the sacrifice who brings us uh, who brings us near as he brings us near by his own sacrifice. So to whom will you liken God for worship? To whom will you liken God for help? God sits, the, the picture is of the whole universe as a throne room and the heavens, the circle that is above the earth, which is not just, you know, viewing the earth as, uh, as spherical or spheroid or whatever, but viewing coming out, you know, take the diameter of the earth that is uh, a sphere and extend it by infinity and you get the bottom of God's throne, how big he is. And then if you could see the actual edge of the universe as the curtain that he has spread as the tent for his seat of judgment, having come from his palace, which is greater still than all of this, and he has set up among the people that he is judging, among the creation that he is judging, this teeny little throne, by comparison to him, that we would call the universe. And here is the great ruler, the great king, the great judge, setting up uh, his, uh, his seat of authority. And we are going to look to the princes of the earth for help. We're going to look to the judges of the earth for help. You know, this is Psalm 146 stuff. Put not your confidence in princes or the son of man in him in whom there is no help. He will return to dust and his plans will perish with him. Blessed is he who has the God of Jacob as his help. Very important thing for us to remember, isn't it? In an election year in which people are going to get their hearts and minds all wrapped up in, in who sits on the throne. And we want Christ to be honored. And we want to receive, not according to what we deserve, but according to an almost unexpectable or unaskable, apart from Jesus, of course, uh, mercy from God. But put not your confidence in princes. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root on the earth. And he will blow on them, and they will wither. And the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. It is a dreadful wickedness for those who know the God of Jacob to have the kind of attitude or fall into the kind of despair as is in verse 27. Because if we, are, if we think that uh, things are unfair, we have anxiety over the way things are happening, we are denying either or both his sovereignty and power where he sits or his goodness and faithfulness that he acts according to his promises and out of love for us in that sovereignty and that power. And so it's not just those who think that their government and their military might or their political might, that that is going to win the day. It's not just those who are blaspheming God and denying his greatness by their being full of themselves. It's also the, the believer who is despairing, who is dismayed in verse 27, who thinks that... Uh, princes and kings, kings and peoples, nations, the, when, when we despair, when we are full of anxiety. So to whom will we liken God for worship? Verse 12 through 20, to whom will we liken God for help? Verse 21 to 27, and at the last, to whom will we liken God for strength? Uh, he marks the beginning of another one of these sections. Have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, Yahweh, the creator of the ends of the earth, gives his people to become like himself. Notice that the neither faints nor is weary in verse 28 compares to 
they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint, in verse 31. So there's really two options. There's one, have power in yourself, like youths and young men are tempted to do, forgetful of God. They don't feel their smallness. They don't feel their weakness. They look around and compare themselves to other men, and they're marginally stronger. And ha-ha, I'm a youth, I'm a young man, I feel strong. But youths will faint and be weary, and young men will utterly fall, verse 30. It is the one who has the Lord as his strength alone who is strong. And everyone who has the Lord as his strength has a strength that cannot be lost. And so God, verse 29, gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. It is, as he says in his word, even with respect to this life, as your days, so shall your strength be. He is the one who has written our days in his book. He is the one who has portioned out the seasons of life and the strength or lack of it, the health or lack of it, for exactly what he has ordained for your life. You cry out to God in your weakness. You rejoice in that weakness, like Second Corinthians 12 says. And Thank you, God, for being my strength. But you also look to him to give you to be and to be able to do just as much as is necessary for what he has assigned to you each day. He is faithful and he does it. And one day you will lay down and your body will have known its last moment of weakness. Because when it comes up out of the grave again, this will be fulfilled literally, physically. It's true enough, isn't it? Wonderfully true. With respect to how he sustains us by his grace, by faith, through every day of this life. But he really is going to resurrect us in a new heavens and a new earth with glorified bodies that can do the sort of thing that Jesus' glorified body already can do because we know that our body will be conformed to his, to be made like his. We are the ones who believe in spiritual strength and spiritual healing because we believe according to the Bible. And so to whom will you liken God for hope or for strength? There's no one who ordains for you what your days are going to be and then matches exactly the strength and health that you need for those. And certainly, who can help you once you are dead and decayed and the worms have eaten you? God can. God does both. As sure as Jesus Christ is crucified, risen, ascended, and enthroned, God does both. So the Lord forgive us. The Lord help us. If we would worship with any other or in any other way. If we would look, uh, put our hope for help in any other. Or be hopeless at any time. And if we would feel ourselves to be strong apart from him. Or think that we will not have the strength that we need when we have him. To whom will we liken God? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven... We thank you for the way that you have declared yourself to us in this passage. And we do have now by your word, which is living and active, our hearts exposed, laid naked before you. Because truly, we have likened you to other things, devoting ourselves or finding an ultimate delight in something other than you, coming to you in some other way than what you have commanded, thinking that we are going to prevail by uh, political power or that 
all is lost because of uh, some infinitesimally small man or men taken together who are in political power. We have often felt ourselves strong and forgotten, been unmindful of dependence upon you. And then, even knowing that we have you, we have often been overwhelmed at the prospect of the difficulty of what was before us. And so in all of these ways, O oh Lord, we have been guilty of disregarding you. But we thank you that you have come near and you have spoken to us comfort in Christ. And you have announced to us your incomparability, not in condemnation, but rather inviting us to have you as our strength, to rest upon you, to rejoice in you, to be refreshed by you. So grant that your spirit would keep doing so, O Lord. Do grant to us the repentance that we need from these things. But give us, O Lord, not to dwell in the sorrow over how we have disregarded you, but to dwell and to live and to walk by the joy of whom you have declared yourself to be to us and whom you have made us to be to yourself. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.